When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Do you know why so many investors get ripped off? Greed. Pure, simple greed. We fall for some of the dumbest stuff because we're greedy. You think you can make a lot of money without a lot of work. You're willing to totally suspend disbelief and buy whatever stupid stuff they tell you. It can be as simple as somebody saying, well, I can get you a higher yield than bonds with no risk. The little mini feature I did today was on that. But this, this is one of the big ones, and it's related to one of the big things that bothers me. Cryptocurrencies. I just don't get them. And I'm a pretty smart person. Hi, I'm Don. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the podcast. This is our last one for this week. Oh, little program note. Next, Starting next week. You see, I haven't taken vacation all year. COVID. So to get some of my vacation taken from my paid gig, which this is part of, uh, I'll be taking Mondays off for the next several weeks, <laughs> like the rest of the year maybe. Uh, so for the next few weeks at least, we'll have four podcast episodes a week. The first two will be the Saturday show, but that'll be they'll be posted on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then other podcasts on Thursday and Friday. Okay. We might, we might put a uh, a Monday podcast in. We might, you know, because Tom's are usually evergreen. We might throw that in, but I haven't decided yet. So just if, if, if it's a little different, please be understanding. Thanks. Oh, and by the way, if you have anything you'd like to discuss, a problem that you're having, a question that you'd like to get answered, you're always welcome to share them with us, either by calling 855-935-TALK and leaving a message or you can call live on Saturdays when we're on the radio in Seattle, and that's the same number, and we're there between 3 and 5 Eastern. Or you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com, type a question, or record it there on the little mic using the little mic button with your mic in your computer. So let's talk crypto, shall we? I, st- I just don't see what problem cryptocurrencies solve. They're a a solution in search of a problem. They're a lousy, 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 lousy currency. As I've said before, currencies shouldn't fluctuate wildly. Also, currencies don't tend to be something that a lot of people speculate in, not individuals. Yes, 
There's some arbitrage work going on at the upper levels where they're trading currency contracts back and forth and that kind of stuff. But most of us don't play currencies because they're not very volatile. They don't fluctuate much. That's the Forex market, foreign exchange. Most people don't play that. But a lot of people are suddenly playing in the Bitcoin or the Ripples or the whatever is out there. There's all kinds of things. Well, I believe that the vast majority of the little Bitcoin deals, the little, not Bitcoin, Bitcoin's legit. Not all the players are legit, but I'm sure it's legit. But there are a lot of people out there bringing out cyber crypto kind of currencies that aren't on the up and up. I mean, come on. Pablo Escobar's brother brought one out several years ago. Diet Bitcoin. Just like Bitcoin, but less valuable. Fewer, more, more risk, less return or something like that. Uh, but there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. That was fascinating. It was fascinating. About a crypto called OneCoin. It was started by a woman out of, I think it was Bulgaria. Her name was Ruja Ignatova. And um, they sold OneCoin as a way to get rich, of course, right? Of course. And they sold one coin to people all over the world. And between 2014 and 2016, they took in $4 billion. Holy cow. She founded it along with a guy named Sebastian Greenwood, who is sitting in jail, uh, waiting a trial, and another person by the name of Mark Scott, who has already been convicted of laundering $400 million. And <laughs> if you've ever watched the TV show Ozark, this is going to sound like Ozark writ large. Because at one time, they had so much money coming in that they were trying to find places in their house to hide it. It was just, it was pouring in. They had so much that people were just pilfering millions of dollars from the piles of money sitting around. They didn't know what to do with it. But the coins they were selling couldn't be used for anything. The price was totally determined by Ms. Ignatova. She made up the price. She was very charismatic. She talked a good game. And uh, then she, you know, she bought racehorses and an oil field. Come on. You, you know you have too much money when you're going, I don't know what to buy. Um, hey, give me that oil field over there for $30 million. Um, but here's the deal. It, uh, it started to unravel when her married boyfriend 
Gilbert Armenta. She was suspecting something was up with Gilbert. So she, <laughs> I love this, she rented the apartment below his and she drilled a hole through the floor to bug his apartment. And what she found out was she thought maybe he was having an affair or something. Well, it turns out it was worse than that. He was a Fed informant. He was turning evidence against her. So she packed her bag, literally just like her handbag, and got out of the country. And now she's vanished, completely vanished, leaving her brother to take the heat. And and I've always said, cryptocurrency is good for one thing and one thing only. I'm not talking about blockchain. I'm just talking about crypto. And, you know, you guys can get fussy with me all you want, but you tell me where I can go actually buy normal stuff with, with crypto. Come on. And I definitely couldn't buy anything with OneCoin. Well, it turns out some of the people who fell for the OneCoin and put money into it were the same kind of people who were giving Marty Bird money in Ozark. <laughs> they were They were criminals. Yeah, they were using it to launder money, I guess. So her brother was kidnapped. Okay, this part's not funny. He was kidnapped at gunpoint and beaten, and they broke his finger, just like the mob. Then he got away from those guys and the Hells Angels. Who knew they were international? The Hells Angels put a gun in his mouth and said, where's our money? The point, other than this being a great story, I mean, this is just, it goes on and on. You got to go read the story. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Um, the point of all this is, why do we, as human beings, keep doing this dumb, dumb stuff? There will always be crooks. There will always be people who want to take your money away. And you, you have a responsibility to be more vigilant or you just don't have a lot of room to complain. Now, if you're a vulnerable senior citizen, like the people involved in the scam I talked about in the Talking Real Money Minute that I did today, well, you have an excuse. But the kind of folks who can throw $4 billion at a cryptocurrency and actually think they're going to get something in return, come on. Come on. Oh, and and I love the, the last line. Um, her brother was arrested, and she's still, she's gone. She's, she's in the wind. But she sent him an email, or at least sent one of her co-founders an email um, that said, if one coin falls apart, quote, take the money and run and blame someone else for it. There you go. That's the way of the world. Great story. No cryptocurrencies, okay? Don't do it. It's dumb. You know it is. Seriously. Think about it for just a minute. Do you completely understand? Do you completely understand how cryptocurrencies work? and how they're valued. 
And are you confident in the honesty and veracity and safety of the markets in which they trade? You know, <laughs> you don't know either one. So 855-935-TALK. That's our number. Or send your question in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Just go to the contact form. And that's just what, and by the way, these two questions are related, but they're from two different people. They're similar, but they're from two different people. So we're going to do one of the the uh, the written-in questions. Then we'll do one that was recorded, and then we'll do another written one. So let's start with this one. Fractional shares using M1 Finance. Hi, Tom and Don. I am a Paul Merriman fan, as are we, who started listening to your podcast after I heard you on Paul's podcast. I enjoy your show and agree with most of your positions. However, however, there's always a however. You don't seem to be a fan of fractional share investing. No, we're not. For individual stocks, I certainly agree. Okay, cool. M1 Finance allows someone with little money to invest in a diverse pie of low-cost index ETFs, which allow for massive diversification using small investments. This allows a younger investor to invest small amounts on a routine basis while getting that more that important diversification. What am I missing? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Chris. Chris, you're right. We're talking about individual stocks. We're talking about fractional investing in individual stocks. Now, if they can do, if this is a great way for a kid to get started, go for it. I think, though, what you're doing by buying a lot of index ETFs, as you said, because remember, there aren't many ETFs don't cost very much. Their share prices tend to be pretty low. As a matter of fact, the last time I looked at VT, which is the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, its price was below $90 a share. So for most, that's that's a doable number. I think if you're if you've got a young person who's building too diversified a portfolio of ETFs, they're getting into too many tiny, tiny pieces of the pie, that you're making the process initially more difficult than it needs to be. That's my only concern is that now you're creating a situation where they have a portfolio with a lot of different little pieces in it and they need to rebalance all those little pieces. And that can be a lot of work and be something that some people might not do. I don't see why you wouldn't just buy VT, but if, get VT in a fractional share if you don't have the $100. No, I'm okay with that because it's diversified. There's a big difference. Individual stocks, we don't believe in them at all unless you're gambling and that's okay. If you like to gamble, not saying gambling is bad. It's not good, but we're not saying it's necessarily bad. I have gambled my way to two or three free beers at a casino. That's, that's the extent of my gambling. I once, when I lived in Colorado Springs, a couple of times, uh, they had a dog track, not too far from my house. We, we went down and put $2 on dogs once. Oh, oh, oh. And I did once bet on a horse. One time in my entire life, I bet on a horse at Churchill Downs, and it was on my birthday yeah, 13 or 14 years ago, and we were getting a free tour, and we were taken down to the paddock, and uh, we were talking about how to bet on a horse, and the woman who was giving us the tour said, 
don't bet on the horse, bet on the jockey. And I said, well, how do you know? She goes, well, that guy right there, that, that guy just won the Kentucky Derby. And I went, oh, oh, well, I'm in a bet on him. And I won. That was my one time. That's it. I don't win. I just drink free. 855-935-TALK. Or you can, you can actually speak your question by going to TalkingRealMoney.com. Click the contact form, and there is a little bitty microphone. Click on that and record your question like this gentleman did. Hey, good morning, Don. This is Kevin from South Carolina. Hope you guys are doing well. I have a quick question with uh, DFA now launching ETFs, as well as the some of the original DFA founders um, launching the Advantis ETFs. If you guys think the additional expense for those ETFs are worth it, um, I know they're new, and I know we don't have a history yet on that, but uh, just curious to see what your, your thoughts are in regards to those two companies um, with their ETFs. If they're going to be comparable to what's recommended for Vanguard, or would you rather just defer to the low-cost guaranteed uh, for those do-it-yourself uh, selections you guys recommend? Thank you so much. Keep up the hard work. Thanks very much. Yeah, the industry's changing. We're moving away from those old-fashioned, open-end mutual funds that old guys like me have been accustomed to for, you know, 30, 40 years. And we're moving into them newfangled things called ETFs. Yeah. Yeah, even DFA. They're, they're going to go that way. They haven't gone that way yet, but they're about to go that way because, as you said, they had uh, a, a, a ex-CEO go to American Century Funds and say, you know, we ought to compete with Dimensional and create some exchange-traded funds to compete with the Dimensional Mutual Funds, and Dimensional went, oh my gosh, we better compete too. Actually, you said that the ETFs would be more expensive, but my in my experience, they're not. They're comparable or maybe even a teeny bit less expensive. So, um, and I, I'm glad you brought this up because Tom and I, along with our director of research at Vestry, are in the process of creating ETF portfolios for our clients. Uh, we, we believe that when you're dealing with index-style ETFs, a lot of the problems that might plague ETFs in a rapidly declining market, for example, in a, in a flash crash scenario, will probably not greatly impact the ETFs. And another thing that really doesn't impact ETFs and does impact mutual funds is the liquidity crunch that an, an open-end mutual fund would face. Because with an open-end mutual fund, if you get a bunch of liquidations in a lightly traded security category, you're going to have to sell into a declining market. You don't have to do that with ETFs. So it takes away some of the problems. So yes, we are moving ETF for part of our money. We're not ready to do it a hundred percent yet, but we're going to, we're, we're dipping our toes in that water. And so therefore we're not, a, we're not at all opposed, but bear in mind, as I said to the previous questioner, one of the issues is getting too many pieces in a 
beginning investors' pie that they have to rebalance can lead people to not do some of the things that they need to do, which is where a total market fund like uh, the Vanguard Total World or the VT ETF might make sense for a lot of beginning investors. Once you have more money and you want to start overemphasizing value and small cap and emerging markets and, and building that better diversification, that slightly overweighted to certain factors diversification, that's when ETFs or DFA funds start to come in really, really handy. So yeah, we're we're good with them. We really are. And we think that the fees will continue to get lower and lower and lower until basically what you're paying for is the advice. What you pay for with a, uh, with a fee-only advisor, and all of them should be fee-only, I believe, what you're paying for is just the advice you're getting. Not just the advice, but you know the the financial planning, the the life planning, the handholding, the rebalancing, all those things. So there you have that one, and let's get to another question. By the way, the number eight five five nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five. This one's interesting in that it was the previous question was about M one finance. This one's about M one finance, but from a totally different direction, and that is insurance coverage. M1 Finance is a uh, a discount brokerage setup like Robinhood, but not as aggressive as Robinhood. So the subject is insurance coverage. The question, I have two traditional IRA accounts and two Roth IRA accounts and one joint taxable account at M1 Finance. The total amount of all the assets is about $1.8 million dollars. M1 Finance says my accounts are SIPC insured. SIPC is the Securities Investors Protection Corporation. Uh, It is similar to, but not identical to, FDIC. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. He says they're insured up to $500,000. Assuming per account, assuming each account is about the same, what is my coverage from SIPC? Uh, SIPC also states that their coverage is 250k in cash and another 250k in securities. What does that mean? When I asked, M1 said that their clearinghouse Apex has additional 400 million coverage. I may have heard that number wrong, but that is mind blowing. Lately, perhaps due to fast growth, M1 responses M1's responses are short, sweet, and incomplete enough to promote more questions, and many are left uh, wanting or unanswered. What I need from you is to explain how my account is insured, and for everyone else's benefit, how your company handles accounts that are larger than the SIPC limits. Do each account number is each account I'm going to rephrase this. Is each account number insured up to 500,000 or is each customer insured up to that amount and what protection the clearinghouse provides for each account and who is in the line and in what order? Do you recommend moving all my monies over the SIPC limit? I am at M1 for two reasons that I can't find at other places. Dividends over $25 in cash are automatically converted into equity without fees and start to work for itself. That's nice. Rebalancing is an easy push-button process with no cost, which is also nice, but you have to remember to do it. And three, they did give me over $1,500 incentive to switch brokerages. You always said free money is good. It is good. 
Thanks for educating us without a quid pro quo expectation. Our pleasure. All right, here's the deal. Got to understand that it is different from FDIC insurance. SIPC insurance covers you from something that almost never happens. I mean, it is incredibly rare. And that is your clearinghouse, which is where the securities are held. Your clearinghouse walks away with your cash or securities. That's why the insurance, the additional insurance coverage is so high. It doesn't cover you against losses. It doesn't cover you against the value of your account going down. It just covers you if they steal your money. So in this case, the fact that Apex has the additional $40 million in coverage is probably one true. In today's world, $40 million in coverage isn't all that much. As a matter of fact, you asked about our coverage for our accounts. Remember, as a registered investment advisor, we, we well, we shouldn't, we don't take custody of your assets. We never touch them. They go right to Charles Schwab. And get this, in addition to the SIPC insurance of a half a million dollars, Charles Schwab went to Lloyd's of London. And let me just pull up the exact number here for you. They went to Lloyd's of London and other insurance companies and provide a maximum protection per account. Oh, I'm sorry, aggregate on all accounts of $600 million and uh, cash of up to $1,150,000. So that's, you know, after the SIPC limits are are run out. By the way, your SIPC insurance is per account and your SIPC insurance is a maximum of $500,000 per account up to 250,000 of that can be cash because cash is easier to steal. You see, it's hard to steal securities. Today, stealing securities is almost impossible. Why? When was the last time you saw a stock certificate? You just see, it's impossible. That's why Lloyds of London will write a $600 million policy. And I'm sure that the premiums aren't all that bad. Plus, if you have a a deposit account, like a savings account with somebody, I mean, I know like Schwab has them because they have a bank. Those are FDIC insured on top of that. So uh, I would say based on what you have and the way it's spread out, you're in really, really good shape with M1, that you're very, very safe. The risks are negligible to non-existent. Really, this is the last thing you should be thinking of. When it comes to investing, the risks are in making stupid decisions and timing things badly or trying to time things at all. Thanks for the great questions. Thanks for being a part of this edition of Talking Real Money, the podcast. Uh, join Tom and me tomorrow. You can listen live. You can you can go online to some of the radio services and listen to, uh, just look for KOMO Radio. We're on between 3 and 5 Eastern. That's noon to 2 Pacific time. And you can call us live during that time at 855-935-TALK. All other times, just leave your question. We'll get to it on a podcast or go to TalkingRealMoney.com and ask your question there. And if you have a really convoluted, complicated 
you know, you can't just ask it in a phone call kind of question. We help everybody at our firm, Vestry. We do. We help everybody. Just ask people. Ask us. Uh, one, one meeting is free. You want to be our client? You have to pay us. But that's long-term and you get a lot for it. One meeting's free. And one meeting has no obligation. And one meeting doesn't mean you're going to get the uh, timeshare sales pitch because you're not. We don't hire our people for their sales skills. We hire them for their money management skills, which is not, it's not what most of the industry does. So thanks again. Tell a friend or two or 20. Keep listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.